CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ after a very big day for the markets. The guys here getting ready behind me while they're doing that. Here's what's coming up. Stocks just closed out a blowout quarter, but if you missed the rally, Cohen and Carter have one name to play catch-up. Plus, that's what Dan Nathan is saying about retail stocks right now, and it could be about to get ugly for the group. He'll lay out the trade. And Mike Coe says Chipotle shares are too hot to touch. He'll break it down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And let's get straight to it because the S&P 500 just saw its best quarter in a decade of 13%. The average stock rallying around 15% in that time. But if you missed the rally, don't worry because Carter has a way to play catch up. He's over at the plaza to break it all down. Hi, Carter. Right, so we've got this ricochet where we had our best quarter since 09. What was preceding it was the worst quarter since 08. Down, up, unchanged over a three-month period effectively. Uh, six-month period, and now the issue is could you find a laggard and maybe play it for catch-up? Here is the XLI, industrials, of course, which 3M is a part, versus SPY, the market, and then 3M. So I think this is the opportunity, the lagging. You'll see the pattern next. Uh, The presumption is that this is a fairly important bottoming out formation. So several ways to draw the lines. You can use a moving average. Uh, Typically, I like the 150-day, but 200 is the same. What you have in many ways is a double bottom of sorts, but you also have this well-defined inflection. Turns and now turning again. And so the bet is that this is on its way to meaningfully higher prices. Another way to draw the lines would be as follows. Just a simple break above the downtrend. And so here too, the bet is that this big name, lagging name, is going to play catch up with the market. And then let's look at a long-term chart. What we know is it's, it's found this line quite precisely and has bounced, has bounced, has bounced, has bounced. And ultimately the question is, does it go on and make a new high, make a new high, make a new high? Um, somewhere close to that, let's look at relative performance. And this is also uh, key. Here's the same chart. Here is the setup. Here is the perspective resolution on the absolute. But what's so important is that relative performance the industrials. Basically, 3M has done nothing for a long time. But again, it has found support off of this relative line repeatedly, and we are here yet again. And I think this is the setup for playing a big name, a Dow name, that is lagged. All right. So Carter's very casual, but he seemed very adamant about this trade, Mike. So what is the trade here? Yeah, so this is uh, an interesting situation because we have a stock that's trading probably at a reasonable valuation on a historical basis. It hasn't seen a whole lot of top-line growth, uh, but this used to be a darling for the longest time. They have earnings coming up on April 23rd. Typically, it moves about 3%. That's about what the options market is implying. But this is a name where when you take a look a little bit further out, what we're seeing is that the options are not overwhelmingly expensive. So this is a situation where I think we can be pretty simple with the trade structure that we were choosing. I was looking at it earlier today. You could buy the June 210 calls, spend $6.50, so a little over 3% of the current stock price to make a bullish bet that will, of course, capture earnings and a decent amount beyond if you wanted to make a bullish bet here. An important point I would make is that 
You know, I think this is one of those situations where you wouldn't want to reach out and buy the stock right here. I think you'd be committing quite a lot of capital if the market rolls over, has a slight, you know, beta of almost 1.2, so it would potentially get hurt. But if earnings provides a positive catalyst, uh, this is a situation where you could look to spread this into a call spread. Uh, if it declines significantly further, you could even look potentially at selling some puts if you really felt compelled to buy the stock. But I don't feel that way right now. I think options are cheap enough that buying calls is the simple way to play it. What do you think? Yeah, well, it's interesting. If I wasn't looking at the fundamentals as Carter calls them, I was just looking at the chart, it does look really constructive. It looks like it's poised for a breakout and it's showing some good uh, relative performance right here. Except for the fact that 60% of Triple M sales come from outside the U.S. Did you see what the dollar did this week, guys? I mean, a lot of people were saying, well, that's it. The dollar's done. It's not breaking out. So, you know, when you think about all this issues with trade in China and the potential for it to be pushed out, I say to myself, this is a company that is very uh, ad could be adversely affected by any legitimate push out, which is why Mike is saying with option prices where they are and the technical setup pretty good to buy calls at the money makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Because if you get all that right, this is going to be a big winner. This stock was trading at 260 in early 2018. So there's a lot of things I like about it. I, I, I most like the idea of just defining your risk with a trade like that, trying to be constructive. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you I mean, consider how much the market moved this specific quarter, you know, what if we saw or started to see something similar happen here? If some of the, that overhang in 3M didn't present itself, could the stock be 15% higher in 90 days? I think that's entirely realistic. But I also think that given those same overhangs, it could be 10% lower. And that's yeah. why we're risking 3% of the current stock price to make our bullish bet. The hope is that if that proves to be correct, we're going to see an outsized win. And if we prove to be incorrect, we're not going to risk that much. Right. I mean, the, the person who wants to be cautious on it would say, listen, it didn't participate with the bounce in industrials, and therefore something is idiosyncratic and wrong. Uh, my take is otherwise, that it's such a non-participant that that's the opportunity. And it is a sort of slower-moving kind of safe name, a household name. I think those will be beneficial things. Yeah, I mean, the one last thing I would say that could give it a little bit of an extra boost if things sort of turn positive here is that the sentiment, you know, amongst the street, amongst analysts, it really hasn't been very positive in this thing. And of course, when everybody's looking down, that might actually be a time to start looking up. All right, let's uh, talk about another group that's been heating up, and that's retail. The XRT retail ETF having its one of its best weeks of the year in best quarter since 2014. But Dan here says the chart is about to make a major fashion faux pas. So what are you looking at, Dan? Yeah, there's a couple things here. Now, obviously, obviously, one of the biggest headwinds to just our economy right now is this trade situation um, with China, and it doesn't seem that there's going to be any resolution anytime soon. The other thing I think it's important to think about, and we just heard it with Larry Kudlow speaking to you earlier today, Mel, is that you know there's seems to be the entire global economy is resting on the U.S. consumer's shoulders here. And we've seen a lot of volatility in consumer-related data. And I'll go back to, I know the University of Michigan Consumer Confidence is trading at an 18-year high. We got that print a couple weeks ago. But there was an interesting thing when you kind of pull back one layer of the onion here is that long-lasting goods, the indication to buy those, is actually at a multi-year low, despite the fact that consumer confidence is at an 18-year high. Sometimes that can be a precursor to kind of lower-end goods, kind 
kind of sloughing off a little bit. And when you think about this, Q1, auto sales are supposed to be down 2.5% year over year. We just got pending home sales um, this week. They were down uh, 1% year over year. That's the 10th decline in the last 12 months. So I say to myself, you know what? The XRT, the ETF that tracks the uh, S&P retail sector, doesn't act so great. We have a chart versus the S&P 500 since the start of 2018. It really has underperformed, especially this year. You talk about one of the best quarters. It's only up 10% versus the S&P is up 13%, yet it's still down about 15% versus the S&P, only down a little less than 4% from its highs. You know, I say to myself, there's not going to be a trade deal probably until June or so. And I think once we get into May and we start getting retail earnings and we start getting less clarity from companies, I think that the XRT turns down. I have a one-year chart. Real quickly, I see uh, resistance at 46. I see some support at 44. I see an air pocket down to 38. That was a December low. Look at this five-year chart. I'll let Carter speak to it. This is just what I see. I'm not a trained technician or anything like that. But I see that series of lower highs, the lower lows. It looks pretty nasty. You break that support at 44, there's an air pocket it down to those prior lows. So to me, I look out to May expiration when the XRT was trading 45, you could buy the 45-40 put spread, paying a dollar for that, buying one of the May 45 puts for $1.15, selling one of the 40 puts at 15 cents. It breaks even uh, at 44. You can make up to four bucks between 44 and 40 between now and May expiration. And your max risk is $1. That's about a little less than 3% of the stock price. I like the risk reward here. You know, it's interesting, you know, given the potential headwinds that you have here and the fact that this as a group really has been in no man's land now for a couple of years. What's interesting to me is how cheap the options are. They're actually trading right now, the trade that he's looking at, those options are priced essentially at two-year lows right here, which I think is pretty extraordinary. And if you're wondering why it's extraordinary, I mean, look at names like Restoration Hardware. I mean, look what happened to that stock today. This embeds basically any of the secular headwinds that you can think about in the economy this has a whole basket of those stocks. And so, you know, if you think that you're going to see some pressure, the fact that options are cheap, I think it really sets up pretty well right here. I mean, the truth is, not only has it been underperforming this year, it is basically underperformed four of the past five years. Its relative performance peaked five years ago. And we know that it's a broad swath, right? It's 95 stocks, it's $1.9 trillion. And by virtue of being equal weight, it gives you a very good tell. And there's something wrong. Uh, that's it. And it's, I think it's a great short. The levels are right. Let me mention one other chart, which you may agree, and, and it's maybe going up for some of the wrong reasons, but have you seen the oil chart? I mean, you know, it closed above 60 today for the first time, I think, since November. I mean, that's obviously another headwind. So it kind of feels like that underperformance is really, you know, kind of telling us something's out there. And it seems like given how cheap option prices are, this is a good way to be a little bit contrarian right here. No question. Uh, if you look at the consumer discretionary sector itself, it was so influenced by Amazon when it was in there, Home Depot, McDonald's. The underlying story is a very negative one for most of these consumer names, whether it's autos, whether it's individual stores, not good. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the other thing. I mean, there's obviously a lot of stocks that are, or that are in this particular sector, but there, a lot of those, you know, the headwinds that we've talked about for all of this time, that the whole sector essentially has gone nowhere, those headwinds have not been removed. And there are some others in there where you're going to see, you know, the Carvanas of the world, where you actually have a decent amount of leverage and, you know, not a really favorable earnings picture. And you take a bunch of those things, put them together, yeah. it's not a great... I investment. got one more point. Last point. Lennar, home builder. Do you see that thing? It was trading 53 bucks after that supposedly better than expected earnings just two days ago. You know where the stock closed today? $49. Reversed the entire move. So I just kind of feel like, you know, when you're getting good news and the stocks are not reacting and consumer related stuff, I think we're going to see more of that over the next month and a half.
For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. It's the hot new jam, apparently, so don't miss, miss out. Uh, here's what's coming up next. Chipotle shares are on fire this year. But Mike Coe saying avocado no to the fast casual trade. He'll tell you how to play it. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Chipotle shares have been sizzling this year. Check it out. The stock is up 65% in 2019, making it the company's best quarter on record since its 2006 IPO. It's best, second best performing stock in the S&P 500, not only this year, uh, and has doubled in just the past 12 months. But Mike Coe says it might be getting a little too hot to handle. He's over at the plaza to show you how in a call to action. Take it away, Mike. Sure. So we're going to take a look at a put calendar. Now, this is a stock that I've been skeptical about before. And of course, it's had a phenomenal quarter. You mentioned it's up 65 percent. It's up nearly 85 percent since the December lows. But it is an exceptionally expensive stock. So are the options. But how expensive? You know, I was taking a look at this thing earlier today. Now, let's assume for the sake of argument that the growth targets on the top line hold true and that Somehow, they managed to expand their net income margins basically to the widest that they've been since the company went public. That would be about 11%. This company is trading in that instance at about 28 times 2021 earnings. I think that's pretty ambitious. So we're going to be having earnings coming up in uh, the third, fourth week of April. Usually, in the month going into earnings, the stock moves about 5% in that month preceding earnings. We're going to have slightly less than that, actually, when we go into the market on Monday on April 1st. Afterwards, we usually see moves of about 10%. So the idea here is, with an expensive stock, wanting to be bearish on this stock, but also recognizing that until they announce earnings, we might see some muted moves. We can take a look now at the kind of stock price that we've seen. You can see that this thing has essentially gone straight up. So, you know, the idea here is that we want to make a bearish bet. We recognize that it could go a little bit higher. I'm not going to be inclined to short this kind of a chart. I can tell you that for sure. But I do want to make a bearish bet. How do we do it? The trade I was looking at was buying the June 700 puts, expensive, $43.70, to reduce the cost of that trade. I wanted to sell the April 1540 puts. Now, I mentioned they're going to be reporting earnings in April, but that actually is going to be after those first options expire. So we're anticipating relatively modest moves going into earnings, relatively big moves coming out of them. So that's the whole idea here. Net net, I'm going to be spending about $28.30 if you got this off at the prices that you're seeing here today. Now, another quick point, just as we look at this chart, if the stock somehow just basically went sideways going into earnings, looks like we're going to be losing money in here. We're not. Why not? Because this thing is just going to be decaying away. But this put over here that basically gives you the opportunity to short the stock after earnings is going to maintain a good deal of its value. This was the one that's really going to decay away here. This is a trade that I think for now going into earnings 
is actually a good setup so that you can own a way to take a bearish bet if the bottom falls out of it. And you know, we do have a huge concentrated holder in Bill Ackman, Pershing Square, owns they're one of the largest shareholders in it. It's been a big source of his winnings this quarter. It would be unlikely that he would have sold any shares going into the end of the quarter. But might he want to take some profits coming out of it? I don't know. I might be inclined to. All right. So what do we all think of Mike's trade? Or do we say avocado to Mike's trade? I don't know. Well, uh, that, was, that was on the bottom of this. I'm not going to take credit for that. It had to be Diaz. It's, all I mean, right. Well, here, here's the deal. I, I think that it's the parabolic <laughs> nature of that one. It's not likely to give up a good bit of that until we have some sort of catalyst. So the fact that Mike is kind of targeting that April 24th earnings date, I think makes a lot of sense. And by selling that shorter dated April put, it doesn't catch earnings and he's setting up to own that May put that would catch earnings. I really like this trade idea because I think that the likelihood of any stock specific news coming out before earnings is probably not great. And his trade structure has given him some room to the downside, a little room to the upside. And it's fine if it goes up a little bit too. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's actually the June put that we're looking oh, to get. So you're going to have a lot more time. So essentially coming out of that, uh, you're going to get almost two months coming out of earnings, which they're going to be reporting on the 23rd or the 24th. Um, So the week after that April put rolls off. I mean, the incredible thing is it's it's returned to the scene of the crime. I mean, here's a stock that was 50 bucks in 09 at the plunge low. Basically gets to 750, 760 in August of 2016. And then, of course, people start getting sick. They get their problems. Stock is wiped out. goes to 250. We are literally back to the level where all the problems started. And... That is the definition of returning to a difficult level where there's overhead supply. So in principle, before you could ever exceed a high, you typically contend with it. Contending is backing and filling or actually backing away. I mean, I'd rather sell my stock or uh, put on options trade that reflects that view than make the bet that there's a lot more to go. Yeah, you know, I was speaking to Karen actually before we came on the air about this because I was just talking about how much optimism seems to be built in at the valuations we're currently seeing. And her point, and it's a good one, is that if they are basically seeing peak revenues, if they are seeing peak margins, those things may well indeed coincide. But the problem is it's basically priced right there right now. So how much more upside could it potentially have unless there's some sort of a squeeze going on in here? All right, coming up, shares of Lululemon reaching for the sky in the back of its earnings report this week, and that's great news for one of our traders. We'll tell you why. Plus, have a question about trading options, or maybe you just want to know how Dan keeps his hair so sleek. You are in luck because we are taking your tweets later in the show. We're live from the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more OA still ahead. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Now, just last week, Myco partnered up with Guy Adami on a bullish Lulu bet. Solid Chinese sales. What does that mean? Up 41% in China, an economy that's slowing down. Apparently, they're still buying their Lululemon because those sales were crazy. And the last operating margins, despite all the things they've done, operating margins have actually improved. I'm looking out to April. I wanted to sell the 135 puts for $4.30, buy the 145 calls for $9.45, and then sell the 155 calls. Why isn't that drawing? For four ninety-five, they were right. The retailer falling today, but still up more than fourteen percent since the time of the trade. So, 
Mike, what do you do now? So if you follow us on Twitter, and you should, then you would know that we recommended earlier this week that you take the profits and run. We spent 20 cents to put the structure on. When I was looking at it earlier this week, you could have taken it off for $9.15. The most it could be worth actually is $10. So really, most of the money that you could make actually was made. The options market was implying a pretty good move, but not as big as the one we saw. And I would make one other quick point here, because if you had just bought the calls, that obviously would have been a big win. But actually, if you'd bought that call spread, it still turned out to be a very good win because, you know, when you take a look at how much it actually geared, it, it worked out about the same. So this trade obviously worked out for I mean, us. the word sublime comes to mind. <laughs> I mean, how good. And also, it stopped right at the former high, right? Stopped right at that October high. Perfect trade, in and out. What more could you get? All right. Earlier this month, Dan said chipmaker Western Digital was heading for a rebound. It bottomed out on Christmas. It broke up uh, above that downtrend line. Here's the really important part. It was able to actually get back above 50 um, today, and that was the breakdown level from the fall. So I think that's a really interesting setup. I think you look out to May expiration when the stock was trading at 51.50 today, you could buy the May 50.65 call spread paying $4 for that. The stock soared with the rest of the semis today, but still down nearly 7% of the time of the trade. So. What do you do with Western Ditch, Dan? Yeah, so this one was in the money at the time, so we chose the 50-65 call spread. The stock was trading 51 and a half. It closed today about 48 bucks. And so I think um, what you really need to do here is you're targeting a $54 break-in. Even um, the spread is worth about $2.50. This is one where I really think you have to keep a close eye on, and you want to keep a premium stop. And I usually like to use a 50% premium stop, so you don't want to see this thing go below $2 because the probability of it being worth, worth much less on May probably increases a lot. I mean, the pattern's intact, right? Yeah. The, with the play for the bearish to bullish yeah. versus the bottoming out, nothing's changed. I think you just stay. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Well, the options action family is growing. Take a look at baby Cortland, the newest addition to the Worth family. So congratulations to Carter, his wife Jill, big sisters Alden and Alice, big brother Brewster, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Adorable. How nice. Very adorable. Thank you. All right. Time for the final call. Carter Braxton Worth. 3M, big Dow stock, play on the long side for ketchup. Mike Coe. Yeah, I think you want to use calls for that. And if you're long Chipotle, I would probably think about taking some profits or look at maybe the put spread calendar that I recommended. Anything. Yeah, I think there's something brewing in consumer land. I know that you guys think I always hate the retail stocks, yeah, I but I really everything really. I, I really <laughs> know, but I really hate them now. So I think XRT put spreads in May. Makes All sense. right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't go anywhere though. Mad Money with Tim Kramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.